back to the Quiet On Set podcast. I am your host, Jürgen Graf, and on today's show, I am joined by the one and only Kelly Kunap. How are you doing? Hello, Ewan. What was that? Hi, how are you? Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be like, hi, but it didn't work out. <laughs> oh, it's just like your microphone isn't even picking it up. You just hear, uh, uh. It's noises of struggle. I don't even know how I I would start it off like this, but hi, Kelly. How are you doing? I hope you're doing fine. Yeah, I just had food and I recorded it for a a Patreon. (laughs) A mukbang is what we did. And then we played some GeoGuessr. So a mukbang. So that was a bunch of bonus content that will be up on the Patreon. (laughs) So if that sounds like something you want to do, there's our first shout out to the Patreon. But coming up in the show is uh, my review for the Mauritanian Coming to America and Moxie, as well as reviews from our Best Picture winner film raffle over on our Discord. Uh, The next raffle that will take place in April will be on comedies. The title is April for comedies. I know, really fitting, right? Like April Fool's. Oh my goodness. That's, yeah. mm -hmm. We are really creative and smart. That's what we are. But after that, we will take an extended look at the 93rd Academy Awards nominations. We talk about the snubs, the upsets, and the overall best films of 2020, I guess. But before we get into the show... Be sure to join our Discord server. We do a monthly film raffle there, as mentioned before, um, in which you'll recommend a movie and you also get uh, a a movie recommended to you on one specific topic. Uh, Previous raffles included the topics of Christmas, which... Again, Kelly, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I'm going to start it every time we talk about this. No, We also did Valentine's Day and uh, yeah, the last one you did was on Best Picture Winners. Uh, Additionally, we are starting a bi-weekly film club and kicking things off is the original King Kong from 1933. It is available to stream on HBO Max and we'll discuss it in an upcoming Roll That Again episode. Uh, for the upcoming movie Godzilla vs. King Kong that releases at the end of March on HBO Max as well. So the picks for the film club will be then reviewed every two weeks on the show. Um, So you'll get to participate in what we'll discuss on the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll take in some of your reviews as well. So let's get into the news. Let's go. First up, are you listening on Apple Podcast? <laughs> well, if you are, make sure to leave us a five-star review there and we'll guarantee you, you will make our day, okay? But mm. seriously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, since 2009, James Cameron's avatar has been sitting very comfortably on the number one spot of box office history. In 2019, another challenger arrived in the form of of a different colored alien, this time purple instead of blue, and he took him over, you know? Now, <laughs> from then on, the highest rated movie, or the highest grossing movie <laughs> was Avengers Endgame. Well, last week, Avatar retook its claim as the one and only box office king, retaking its place, overtaking Endgame after it re-released in Chinese cinemas. <laughs> Kelly, considering uh, that the top five films are now all owned by the same company, do you consider this in any way of shape or form significant? You know what? I'm going to say this is um, a smart move, a funny move, 
quite unnecessary to be quite honest with you but i do think it's funny of how it's just blue and purple aliens fighting with each other over this unnecessary title of box office <laughs> and the funny thing is i mean the mcu is still continuing so they will definitely re-release endgame yeah. from time to time again in cinemas and then with every single avatar sequel which i think there are like four or five in the works currently there are you didn't know about this no until the end of uh, the 2020s there will be a new avatar film every two years and they are going star wars avatar star wars avatar star wars avatar for the next like five years or so at least i did not know that (laughs) i mean dude Aren't enough of a normie man watching too many Japanese and Iranian films doesn't even know about yeah. the Avatar sequels. That's true, that's true. I didn't know because it's, it's been, what, 12 years? It has been, yeah. And I mean, there were talks about a sequel right after it was such a huge box office hit, but they just never got around it. But anyways, uh, unrelated to this event, I have been working on a deep dive into the box office for a while now. So in a few weeks, we will, I guess tie it back to this that it's justified <laughs> that we talk about the box office uh it's one of the only things on letterbox like uh, when you have the pro version you can see progress in certain categories and that's oh. one for the highest grossing movies and i'm almost done with watching all of the highest grosses grossing movies of all time uh which will tie back into that show so stay tuned um for that <laughs> at this point what what haven't you seen uh well <sighs> I can tell you what I haven't seen yet, which is the next Lynn manuel Miranda film, In the Heights, which we got the first trailer of. Thank you for that transition there. And um, yeah, uh, Miranda stars in the film as well in this Broadway adaptation from his um, Broadway musical that he wrote in 2005. And uh, it also stars part of the Hamilton cast, the member Anthony Ram- um, Ramos. As well as Stephanie Beatrice, maybe you know her from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm. I was really surprised to see a name pop up there. I didn't even recognize her in this trailer. And also Corey Hawkins from Straight Outta Compton and Black Klansman. As a fan of Hamilton, are you looking forward to In the Heights? Of course. I mean, you know, I'm just a, a fan girl for Lin Manuel. He's a cutie, <laughs> you know. Um, you got this really cheeky smile going that's almost uncomfortable i actually i recently watched uh the second oh my god i forgot to log it i i watched the second um mary poppins one with with him and i didn't really like it but he was pretty cool in it have you have you seen it i haven't seen that one speaking of things that Uh, you mentioned what haven't you seen i have not seen mary poppins returns i think with emily blunt was it yeah yeah. was it that one yeah uh, but anyways, In the Heights premieres on HBO Max on June 18th, and then it will stay there for a month and will also play in cinemas whenever wherever cinemas are open. Still not here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that for the next few week, weeks until it hopefully finally we get uh, a new, uh, we got cinemas open again. I mean, even in California, they opened up recently again. Uh, mm-hmm. Not here, though. Nope. Uh, anyways. Now, with this next one, Netflix has had me interested in this movie after I saw Idris Elba and a horse. You know, that was enough for me. So, uh, in Concrete Cowboy, a teenager discovers the world of urban horseback riding when he moves in with his estranged father in North Philadelphia. The son is played by Stranger Things' Caleb McLaughlin, 
Um, and yeah, he plays Idris Elba's son. And there's also Gerald Jerome from When They See Us in the cast. And uh, by the way, if you haven't seen When They See Us yet, stop what you're doing right now. Go see When They See Us. It, <laughs> yeah, it's probably my favorite miniseries of all times. And uh, yeah, what did you think of Concrete Cowboy? I, I think I think it's time that I stop my recording and go watch When They See Us. And then I'll come <laughs> back and then we finish this. <laughs> well, okay, okay, well... This, there's a little anecdote. I think last week when we recorded, we both forgot to, like, we, we are paranoid, so we both have a backup recording that we do in, uh, like, in addition to having our main recording. And mm-hmm. Kelly and I both forgot it. And mine was running for, like, five hours. <laughs> I had a first day so. and a half. I'm surprised I didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it was definitely a surprise. Yeah, but and uh, yeah, that movie releases on April second on um, Netflix, so actually yeah. pretty soon. So looking forward to catching that one. And then finally, we got yet another teen dystopian film. I thought we were kind of done with them, uh, but okay, so this one sees a crew of astronauts on a multi generational mission descend into paranoia and madness, not knowing what is real and what is not. Got any you know, initial it, impressions from the trailer? Sounds weird. Not gonna lie. Like I would yeah. need to see a trailer or something to to, to then, comment on this because it just seems weird. Like like it but, seems like a waste of time. Kelly, there is a trailer. There is a trailer? <laughs> yes. We've been talking Wait, about trailers. Give me like but, give me like 30 seconds. Wait. I just wanna see the look of it. Why is there a cell? Are they mutants? A habitable planet. Oh my goodness. Wow, the, I saw 10 seconds and it's like, they were born without emotions. I'm like, okay, they're going to develop emotions. They're going to try to overthrow the government. What's next? Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, it is very typical of these dystopian teen yeah. movies where it's just teens not knowing shit. And then they start learning about what's actually going on. And then they rebel against the system. And uh, yeah, I kind of I thought we were done with those after the Maze Runner trilogy. Even when um, the Divergent series ended with one movie left to go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's, there's this joke about Hollywood writing that, like, whenever something stops working and you don't have any creativity mm-hmm. left, you just make it in space. Which <laughs> is exactly <laughs> what they're doing right now, you know? Oh, my God. It's kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, uh, that movie releases on April 9th in theaters. So no VOD plan yet. And uh, from what it looks like, it will also just be the cinemas in the US for now. Now, on to this week's new releases. Finally, after a lot of Snyder fans <laughs> have been annoying us for the past few years on all of social media, well, <laughs> and another 70 million bucks was spent on this project, on this little pet project that uh, Zack Snyder was doing in his garage, probably, most likely, <laughs> we are getting the Justice League uh, Snyder Cut. Finally, it's a four-hour-long journey, and we will review this epos of a film uh, next week. Are we? Uh, you won't be joining us for this uh, because I work. I have. A you life. got a life. <laughs> 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 yes, you have a bit of integrity left, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I saw the original, uh, and, and it was atrocious. So I, I assume this will improve on it a bit, um, at least. I mean, that's not going to be that hard, but it's just going to be fun. A fun time. Uh, assume with Lachlan to watch it. So that's mm-hmm. what we'll do. And uh, yeah, this is available for streaming. Should be by the time this episode is out already. And um, yeah, if you have HBO Max, go check it out. 
And then finally, we are getting the first episode of the next MCU show after WandaVision wrapped about a week ago. We are getting the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're getting episode one of a total of six episodes. We will share our reviews once the show wraps at the end of April. Um, and until then, we might mention it from time to time on uh, what we've been watching, if there's anything interesting to discuss. That's enough with the films that are, that come out today. Let's talk about the films that we have watched this week. So uh, let's get into what we've been watching. You've been um, pretty busy lately, <laughs> but... Uh, you probably did just watch a few more Japanese and Iranian films, am I right? Of course, yeah, you um, summed it up pretty nicely. I saw um, Coming of Age by, wait, I need to look up his name. It's, okay, so his name is Sohrab Shahid Sales, a movie by him called Coming of Age. So now we're not in Iran anymore, we're in Germany. Isn't that oh, crazy? what? Right? That is yeah, crazy. It's a, it's a pretty cool movie of this like boy who... <laughs> Like, goes to school, sees his mom, like, the problems of not fitting in. Mm -hmm. I also saw, from Japan, I saw Mr. Thank You and the Osaka Elegy, both from 1936. Mm -hmm. Which, to be honest, I don't remember watching, but I watched them. <laughs> I thought they were quite alright. We we uh, are in the same class for that one, that's mm -hmm. Japanese class. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, were, they were decent, but nothing that really stays with you. It's more about uh, what is actually, like, told in Japanese film history through those films. That we yeah. watched them, it's it's nothing much uh, that comes mm -hmm. from from them on the on their own. Yeah, yeah. movie wise, I I was just casually watching um, around the world in eighty days in my living room. Have you seen it? I have not. No. Oh my goodness, um, it's really fun. It has Jackie Chan in it, so it's a it's a it's a good time. Um, I also binged the whole entire twentieth season of America's Next Top Model. Which is twenty seasons. There is wow. there is more. That was like in twenty fourteen. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, that is crazy. How is, they have twenty four seasons in total. Damn. Twenty four. Jesus Christ. They are they still producing? I think they are. Well it must be. Probably not this year, I assume. May, maybe still this year. And they just do it all through Instagram Live or yeah. something like that. And it's wacky because uh, that was the first season that had guys in it. And mm, it, mm -hmm. it just turned from a model show to a dating show. Like, just for context, I used to watch it when I was a kid. I saw maybe the first five seasons and I haven't seen it in like 15 years. And then I just stumbled upon it on Netflix and I just binge it. And now I'm watching season 21, which is pretty fun. <laughs> that, is, that is crazy that that show has that many seasons. It's It's mental abuse. That's what it is. Most, I don't know. I can't judge. I haven't. I haven't seen uh, any of it. So. Oh, it's it's disgusting. It just mm, don't watch it if you want to have a brain afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it with these shows. But sometimes you can just kind of laugh at people. That's kind of the mm -hmm. the the enjoyment that you get out of watching um, these kind of reality TV shows that are a bit trash, but also yeah, for sure. Like modeling yeah. is is definitely like a serious profession. I mean, it's not. It's it not is. just laughable. It's not like a you dating show. Smile. Oh, is it more like a dating show? Oh, is it actually? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it deserved a bit, bit of respect, but I don't know. Yeah, there was a couple in the end. They were like dating. Oh, wow. Proper dating. Yeah. It's very weird. Neither of them won, so, you know. Well, I guess they won love, 
I guess. Exactly. Maybe. And a bit of Instagram followers. What have you been watching, Johan? Well, much uh, much like the, the last two weeks, I have been so busy that I've actually not really watched a lot recently. The only movie I did manage to see was like last night, past midnight, because South by Southwest started and there was this limited time window for this little movie. And I watched <laughs> a documentary on uh, Demi Lovato. Uh, she has apparently this is coming out on Netflix and uh, not on Netflix on YouTube in a few weeks anyways. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's going to be like YouTube premium. I, I don't even know, but I watched this thing and I now know that in two weeks it will be available to everyone anyways. But I guess it's a perfect place <laughs> for the review then. Yeah, I caught the premiere. This is the first movie I, I caught at South by Southwest. And next week I'll talk a bit more about the highlights from South by Southwest. But yeah, currently that's the only one I've seen. Was it good? Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil, I gotta say, kind of left a bad impression on me. Uh, it, it tackles Lovato's nearly fatal overdose in 2018, and it tries to tell like her side of the story. But uh, like, I, I don't have, I don't take issue with any of that. It's just mainly the presentation uh, for which they, they, they tell this. It's mainly like talking heads of her family, her friends. And there's not much context to the overall thing mm-hmm. given rather than just retelling the events, which like to a fan or someone just from the outside, it might be interesting. But for a documentary, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more that it like tackles a bit more of like uh, how young kids in the entertainment industry are prone to like tend to use drugs and then get into this really unhealthy cycle of hurting themselves over and over again. And um I mean, it did have parts of that she really opened up. So that was interesting uh, about like mm-hmm. abuse and trauma and her addiction. Like if you are someone who listens to her music a lot and you find her inspiring, I think definitely go see this. Otherwise, if you are interested in like uh, drug abuse in the entertainment business, I don't think it has a lot to offer there. But yeah, that's my <laughs> overly long review for uh, <laughs> that docuseries. It's a, I think it's a four part miniseries and they screened oh, it as a 100 minute long movie. So it wasn't mm-hmm. that long. It just was spliced up into 25-minute segments. And then actually, this is unprecedented for the next few movies, that the next three movies that I uh, announced at the top of the show that I'll be reviewing. Well, I told you I've been busy, so I didn't have time to watch them yet, which uh, I guess I'll hand it over to future Ewan to review them <laughs> right now <laughs> with the power of editing. Uh, I'll talk to you in a second. I forgot to mention the power of Christ and anime, but... Uh, regardless, let's start talking about some movies. Moxie is Amy Poehler's latest film on Netflix after her 2019 directorial debut, Wine Country, which felt like a gender-swapped Adam Sandler movie, but Moxie falls a bit short in a similar fashion, although it is a great improvement from Wine Country. In its essence, Moxie has a great and real message that of sexist systems within the patriarchy that enable assholes to thrive and neglect women. But by becoming so immensely transparent in its end goal and its message, it forgets to write real characters that aren't simply vessels for ideologies. It is also riddled with cliches that are definitely rooted in truth, but when the plot feels more like a checklist, well, it is bound to become a bit muddled. Conclusively, I think this movie is rather harmless, which is a bit disappointing, if that makes sense. 
Uh, it's a 6 out of 10 for me. Now, Coming to America. Not to be confused with, Coming to America is streaming on Amazon Prime right now. And it's a sequel to the 1988 cult classic from the Animal House director, John Landis. It stars Eddie Murphy as the Prince of Zamunda, who seeks to find real love in Queens, New York. Now, the sequel, directed by Craig Brewer, who collaborated with Murphy in the excellent Netflix original Dolomite Is My Name, is back for the sequel with a questionable reason to exist, if I'm being honest. 30 years have passed. The prince has become a king now, but lacks a male heir to the throne having three daughters. Well, turns out our prince was raped when he was in Queens and has an illegitimate bastard son. So he ensues the goofy shenanigans. Uh, now, if that screams early 2000s comedy to you, well, yeah, you're right, but... Ultimately, I think it's more like a TikTok version of the original, even sprinkled in with some superficial wokeness. Unfortunately, it doesn't even get close to hitting the same highs as the original, basically relying on jokes mostly through reappearing characters and celebrity cameos. Plus, adding a few more fourth wall breaks because you can. And boom, you got an unwanted sequel in the 2020s, I guess. I gave it a 4 out of 10 for the sequel, but because I saw the original for the first time for this as well, well, that's a 7 out of 10, so go check that one out. That one's pretty funny. Now, onto the unfortunately Oscar less the Mauritanian. It tells the story of a detainee in Guantanamo Bay who was held for more than a decade without ever being charged with anything. Well, this definitely feels like the perfect Oscar bait movie, and I guess it just came in a bit too late to snag up any Oscars. Although, I wouldn't put it above anything else in the best picture race besides Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, it features some pretty good performances and uh, great cinematography. I highlight all the devastating interrogation and torture scenes, which just made me feel real sick about the 40 detainees that are still kept at Guantanamo Bay at this very moment. I'd recommend this movie to anyone who is into these based on true story films. Plus, I immediately ordered Mohamedou's Guantanamo Diary, which this movie is based on. I give it a 7 out of 10. Now, let's give it back to past Ewan and past Kelly. I'm best editing goes to... <laughs> you can hear me like you can hear you in the background of, of my review it's just you talking and i mess up the edit uh that would be it but yeah uh welcome back i guess that was the review for the mauritanian moxie and coming to america hopefully those were all in there but uh let's move on to our main topic of the day <laughs> The nominations for the for, uh, for the 93rd Academy Awards this year, it had an extended eligibility window and films that premiered until the end of February, February 28th to be exact, were able to be nominated for an Academy Award. Um, to give you a quick overview of the nominees, let's start off with Mank, uh, which managed to lead the pack with nominations, with 10 nominations in total followed by six films that managed to rack up six nominations, including Trial of the Chicago 7, Sound of Metal, Nomadland, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and The Father. Movies that we liked but did not get any love at all from the Academy were never really sometimes always. I'm thinking of ending things. And for me personally, uh, a movie that I really, really enjoyed, uh, Welcome to Chechnya, did not get a single nomination. And um, Promising Young Woman got five. Marini's Black Bottom and News of the World both managed to pick up four. One Night in Miami, 
free Tenet 2 and then Pinocchio uh, managed <laughs> to get too, which actually is a funny little side story. This is an Italian film with uh, with uh, Benini in the role of uh, the not the pawn maker, but the, 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 yeah, the puppet master guy. The Pinocchio maker, I guess, yeah. And there's <laughs> there's two other films, two other Pinocchio fam- films that are currently in production that are set to release this year. Yeah, there's three of them. And I mean, Pinocchio hasn't even released in a lot of places. It, it came out in 2019 in Italy, but hasn't been out in the US yet. So there might be a world where we get three Pinocchio films at the same times in cinemas. So guys, um... I'm gonna go to the cinema. I'm gonna go watch Pinocchio. Um, okay. Which one? <laughs> Which one of the three Pinocchios? And I mean, there has been like Pinocchios in the past as well. Yeah, I don't know what the fascination is all of a sudden. Um <laughs> we get this many Pinocchio uh, movies all at the same time. But I guess if they rack up any Oscars, it will be for the um 94th edition, but um yeah maybe yeah. actually this one has a chance of picking up best makeup which well, we'll get to it in a second so we will go through all of the major categories actually the only ones that we're leaving out is the short films just because well we mm-hmm. didn't really see any of them i saw a few of them but not enough to um, make like a judgment about them i think i saw only one of the animated ones yeah i saw a few of the animated uh, ones as well but yeah maybe we'll talk about them once the ceremony is over in uh post oscar talk and uh, the one that won the one that won nice sentence there but uh yeah we'll go through all of the actor categories we will uh, the acting categories we'll go through the technical awards then moving to screenplay and all of the feature uh, awards and then um directing and finally best picture i will also let you know what well i guess what we consider good and what we consider worth watching and we'll have uh, our predictions in there as well and what we think will win and what deserves to win but anyways let's start off with acting this year we had a, a nice surprise there we got nine out of the 20 nominations for people that were people of color and i gotta say this is definitely not a quote a quota thing of like oh let's nominate um people of color just for representation this mm-hmm. year the strongest uh present uh, the strongest performances uh were from a lot of people uh of color and also like movies with predominantly um uh production studio uh p- producers like Judas and the Black Messiah that was all black there was there was a lot of really good films yeah so uh let's get into best supporting actress yes first of all we have the beautiful Maria Bakalova from Borat's subsequent movie film then we have Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy we have Olivia Coleman from The Father we have Amanda Seyfried from Mank and we have Yo Jung Yoon from Minari. A beautiful selection. Yeah, really nice selection, right? Uh, yeah, who who are you rooting for in here? And um, yeah, have you seen... You haven't seen The Father? And I think you haven't I, seen Hillbilly Elegy, right? I have, I have. I've seen it. Oh, you... Oh, wow. Oh, so you've seen them all. So, no, I, I, I haven't seen The Father. I haven't seen Mank, oh. which is... Oh, you haven't seen Mank. Yeah. Those two I really need to watch. Mm-hmm. Um... But, you know, just for the fact, I'm just surprised by the fact that Maria Bakalova even got nominated because, I don't know, I, I feel like Borat was a movie that a lot of people could have just brushed to the side, but mm-hmm. she was like the cherry on top for me. I'm really glad she got nominated, but also um, Yeo Jung Yoon 
from Mirari. I'm really happy she got that nomination as well. But Yeah, what a lovely performance from her, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to say who can win without right? this, this the father and Meng. pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think out of all of these, uh, like rank these nominees, I would go uh, Coleman, Yoon, uh, Bakalova, Seafried, and Close. That's how I would go. I mm-hmm. think um, both uh, Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman are at their career best in The Father. You really, yeah. uh, once once it comes out, we really got to uh, tackle that in, in, a, in a review. It's such a fascinating movie. Um, Olivia Coleman, I remember she got the Oscar as well for the favorite. Yeah, she years did. Ago, right? It's funny. It's again. It would be amazing. Glenn Close her. and Olivia Coleman matched up again, which is kind of funny. <laughs> to consider think, it's the same thing. I think over the years that was one of my favorite acceptance speeches because she was just like crying and happy and with her children like go to bed, but like look, I won. It was cute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she she is such a delight. Yeah, but yeah, if, if I had to kick anyone out of this list, I would probably go with with Glenn, Clo- Glenn Close just because Hillbilly Allergy mm-hmm. really isn't a good film. She she gives a good performance in it. Uh, I think she's overdue for an Oscar, but not for this performance. And I would actually put Talia Ryder from Never Really Sometimes Always in here. Yeah, um, the cousin character. I really enjoyed her. But let's move on um, to the next category. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, so we got Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial 7. We got Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah. Leslie Odim Jr. from One Night in Miami. Paul Racy from Sound of Metal. And Lakeith Stanfield from Judas and the Black Messiah again. <laughs> for Best Supporting Actor. Which was definitely the biggest surprise of uh, the announcements that supporting character lakeith stanfield which i don't i I think he was more of the lead in that movie but uh, you haven't seen judas and the black messiah yet right no i've only seen one night in miami from these ones oh you have oh wow that isn't that is interesting so i guess you would just go for leslie odium jr in this (laughs) in this race from what you've seen um yeah i don't really have a lot to say i still have to catch up on a lot oh christ we still have a little over a month. Yeah, true. So. Well, if you if you had to nominate someone else that you, you'd have seen, like, who would yes. you nominate? I would like to nominate from Borat, subsequent movie film, Rudy freaking Giuliani <laughs> for the best performance in the cinematic history. He, he was, right? Agree? He pretended to, uh, I don't know what he pretended to do, but he definitely <laughs> didn't do anything. Did yeah. nothing. <laughs> nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, out of the list of these, I, I will probably kick out Sasha Baron Cohen, if I could, and replace him mm-hmm. with Kingsley Benadier from One Day in Miami, uh, as Malcolm X with a mesmerizing yes. performance there. I think they were campaigning him more of lead, and mm-hmm. I guess Le- Leslie Odium Jr. as supporting, and Leslie got in there. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can consider them both supporting, you could consider them both lead. It's a bit of a hard one, but I'm really happy that... Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I Same. think this is Daniel Kaluuya's to lose. He gives such a such a powerful performance of Fred Hampton, and um, yeah, it would surprise me if anyone else won. I would be pretty happy about Paul Racy and uh, again Odom Jr. to win this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is this is probably Daniel's definitely to lose. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess let's move on to best lead actor. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. First we have Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. We have Chadwick Boseman for Marini's Black Bottom. 
Anthony Hopkins in The Father, we have Gary Oldman in Mank, and we have Steven Yeun from Minari once again. Minari. And, um, as a little side note for the Steven Yeun um, nomination, he is actually, surprisingly, we talked about this in the Minari review already, he is the first Asian American to ever be nominated in uh, a lead actor role. Which, yeah, to me, that is crazy. I guess surprising. This, this, yeah, yeah, right. And I guess what a lot of people would have loved to see in here, me as well, is Del- Delroy Lindo from The Five Bloods. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't get in. I would kick out Gary Oldman if I could, because I think he's he's all right in in Mank. But uh, Delroy, phew, he was he was so good in The Five Bloods. Uh, that speech <laughs> that he had, it was incredible. I think this is probably already in the bag for Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, 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 a combination of his great performance in that movie, but also his, his passing. I think um, that's gonna yeah, he would probably take this home. Yeah, if I'd have to uh, say what the best male performance of the year was, I would definitely uh, p- pick Sir Anthony Hopkins from The Father. He was he was mesmerizing, um, really really great performance. And um, if you haven't seen The Father yet, because I, I assume that not a lot of people have at this point, <laughs> really go watch The Father if you can. And uh, yeah, I guess let's move on to the next category, man. This no will take other uh, this will take some time. You don't want to mention? Oh, another snob? Oh, uh, I mean, you don't want to mention Mads Mikkelsen? I feel like getting drunk and dancing around with a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, Mads yes. Mikkelsen. I think uh, he he is man. definitely someone who could have uh, gotten in there as well, especially with another few nominations. A surprise nomination for another mm-hmm. round. What a beautiful uh, man! But yeah, I, I don't know who I would kick out out of this collection because I, I loved Riz Ahmed, Stephen Ewan, Anthony Hopkins, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Moving on. We have the best lead actress. Would you like to go ahead? Oh, <laughs> do the honors. Yes, of course. Well, we got Viola Davis for My Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for The United States versus Billy Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. So yes. I do think out of all of the acting categories... This might be the hardest one to call, mm-hmm. like who will win, but also the most stacked, like out of other people that could have gotten nominated in this mm-hmm. category. We have some amazing women on this list and pretty much any one of them would deserve this prize, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, who would you give it to if you had to choose? If oh I made you choose right now. Um, <laughs> considering I only know two of these, uh, which is Vanessa Kirby and Carrie Mulligan, mm-hmm. but I feel like Andrew Day is probably not going to get it because biographies, it's always like a big thing. But I don't know. I would really like to see Viola Davis walk out with an Oscar, not going to lie. She's a cool mm, ass woman. Yeah, she she was great in, in that uh, movie. For me, it's really hard to tell. I will probably just go with Kerry Mulligan, but that's mm. just because uh, she's been nominated for an Oscar before, but she has yeah, never yeah. won one. Um, McDormand already has two. Um, I think her performance is, is, is really great in Nomadland, but I would actually love to see uh, Mulligan or Davis take this home. I think Vanessa yeah. Kirby is really good in Pieces of a Woman. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Sidney Flanagan in here from Never Ready, Sometimes, Always. Even Olivia Moss for The Invisible Man uh, was really strong. Or even a, a comedic performance like Kristen Milioti, uh for Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe even Chessie Buckley for I'm Thinking of Anything. So there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. uh, had great performances this year. Or, you know, even Zendaya for her beautiful mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, you're never going to let it go. <laughs> no. It's going to haunt us for the rest of our days. The mac and cheese. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I mean, we should come out the- with a 
separate recipe for mac and cheese that is like quiet on set style oh we should God. do that we should just we should sell it as merch but we actually would buy craft mac and we just tape a label over it that says quiet on set when you when you said merch i was thinking like our logo made out of uh like macaroni cheesy macaroni sticks <laughs> and like like something creative but you went full entrepreneur there like oh we can buy up the supply of mac and cheese and make money out of it yeah (laughs) oh anyways let's let's get into the technical awards that will just uh we'll go over these a bit more quickly so for Mm -hmm. cinematography we got nominations for judas for mank for news of the world nomadland and trial of the chicago seven i personally would have loved to see never rally in here maybe first cow um and some people really wanted to see Tenet. I think Tenet had decent cinematography. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> I haven't seen any of these. Let's well, move then on. I guess it's a bit harder <laughs> to say. Uh, but I would just go for Judas in this one. Uh, it's um, most well shot film of the year. Get Get Trial of the Chicago Seven out of this category. Does not deserve to be in here. Um, for editing, we got The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, I really enjoyed Minari's editing, and I'm thinking of ending things. Mm-hmm. Minari was I good. You haven't seen it, but I would go for The Father in this one. Uh, Sound really? of Metal also had great editing. Uh, those are the ones that I would probably choose, yeah. Sounds legit. Yeah, and I guess you would go for Promising Young Woman, because it's the only one you've seen. <laughs> yes, and I gave it five stars, because I loved it. Yeah, it was a, it was really a great movie. We'll, we'll get to it later on, actually. I think that movie maybe deserves to take home the big prize. All right, uh, so we got sound next up. So nominations were in for Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and Sound of Metal. And I guess you've only seen Soul, right? (laughs) Yes, but I remember I was watching that. I was watching it live when the nominations were dropping because I knew which time zone they were in. (laughs) So you didn't laugh at that joke. Yeah. Laugh. Sorry. Laugh. <laughs> uh, right time zone yeah uh reminds me of a fun story you and forgot I, that that the times were uh, switched in america and he missed it well it, isn't it kind of weird that on the day they change to uh summertime they yes. do the oscar nominations at 5 a.m in the morning like what's wrong with you america <laughs> why don't you just do it on the weekend what is that's why they pick you? that's why they pick people who were in london to do it they were yeah. the only ones awake <laughs> imagine a bunch of like celebrities without makeup five in the morning just out of their bed like putting oh up God. their phones like oh, oh andra <laughs> j yeah. yeah nominations um mm-hmm. but i will you say go oscars soul was amazing um you know wait is there only one sound category now yes so for this year they or from now on they combine sound mixing and sound editing into because one people category. didn't know the difference anyways <laughs> yes Oh my god! So, uh, yeah, it's weird because sound people supposed to vote on this, but I guess it's also <laughs> people from. I, I, this is just confusing. This is probably uh, Sound of Metal both for pick and like prediction and pick. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed what they do with sound in that movie. Um, most creative use of sound. And, Did it sound like metal? Uh, the Academy tends to go. <laughs> it has a, a, a sound in the title, but the Academy uh, use. Uh, kind of tends to go with the movie that does the most of its category, like especially mm-hmm. for editing. When there's a lot of editing, like in Trial of the Chicago 7, they might even go for that movie just because there's a lot of it. Like mm-hmm. they gave Bohemian Rhapsody the fucking award. So 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, also great sound was in my Rainy's Black Bottom. And some would say in Tenet, I would actually agree. I think the sound in Tenet is fine. Um, some people didn't understand a single thing. I thought it, it added to the atmosphere. But uh, yeah, there would definitely be an in- a difference between sound editing and mixing for Tenet uh, that it wouldn't yeah. get an, a nomination in one of those categories. But they're obsolete, so it doesn't matter. Um, let's move on to hair and makeup, so something that um, <laughs> the, the Jonas brother, the Nick Jonas, was it? And uh, what's yeah, her name? Uh, his wife, I forgot her uh, wife. They were already up in London and had hair and makeup on. <laughs> the joke uh, he made was so bad. Did you, did, you, did you catch it? He said, like, um, let's see who else has the, or like, you already know I have the best hair and makeup in Hollywood, but let's see who got nominated. Something Wait, he actually like that. Said, I didn't. I, I didn't think hear so. That. Something <laughs> really like douchey, calling himself like the best overall. But I didn't it like is the, the combo. Jonas Brother way. I've seen him in real life. Like story time. I I went to the Jonas Brother concert like uh, oh. exactly a month on Valentine's Day last year. Oh yeah! Didn't they? They start doing. Uh, they started to do music again together as a band. Yeah, right? they finished their tour right before COVID, and the the funniest thing about it is, all three of them they're so short. I'm taller than Nick. <laughs> okay, I'm taller than him. This is um, yeah. Well, this but, is a is an interesting thing to pinpoint. Yeah, but um. Yeah, what are the nominees? What's her name? Chopra? Priyanka. Chopra, yeah. Priyanka Chopra, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like their combo. They were so weird. But anyways, makeup and hair, the nominees are, we had Emma, we had Hillbilly Elegy, uh, we had Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, we had Mank, and we had Pinocchio. What's your pick? I have a feeling like, hmm, actually, I don't know. I don't have a pick. Because I was, I was thinking like, okay, Pinocchio is like the most out there. Mm-hmm. And that could be legit. I don't know what Emma is. I've never heard of it before at this point. Hillbilly Elegy, you know, seeing that it's not not that special to me. And mm-hmm. the Mank. others, I can't really comment. Thank you, I haven't seen. No. Yeah, uh, I think What's Pinocchio probably has the most use of mm-hmm. makeup in a creative way. Uh, because it, like, it doesn't use a lot of CGI to uh, create its characters. And mm-hmm. it, it's quite well done uh, from a hair and makeup standpoint. Emma is a period piece. Def- I don't know why it got hair and makeup. I-, I think costumes definitely deserves it. Also should win it. But in hair and makeup, uh, I don't really see it. Hillbilly Allergy had laughable hair and makeup. I, I-, I didn't buy it for a yeah. second. Mank was decent, but I think this is definitely between Pinocchio and My Rainy's Black Bottom. Black Bottom, mm-hmm. I probably would have to go for My Rainy's Black Bottom, both as my pick and as my prediction. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's move on to costumes. We got Emma. My Rainy's Black Bottom, Mank, Mulan, and Pinocchio. So this is really familiar. Uh, apart from Hillbilly Allergy, we got Mulan in the mix, and, and that is it. And um, from the movies in here, I think Emma really deserves that spot. Uh, I saw a video, a, a video like months ago, where the costume designer and I think the director broke down all the details uh, for what they did with with all the the clothes, and it, it was quite interesting. Um, so I I believe it does deserve it. Out of mm-hmm. those five, for sure. I had to Google Emma to remember which one it was. That's how memorable well, it is. Emma was the last movie movies I saw uh, before COVID uh, hit. So oh, it was really? the last one I saw in cinemas. Yeah, I watched it with, with Michelle on like uh, start of March. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling like uh, with costume, it's just, just for a period piece. You're going to get a nomination anyways. 
Yeah, true. I mean, um, the what's my the personal history of David Copperfield didn't get a nomination. He in costumes. Um, I guess maybe even in production design, it would have been more likely to get it in there. That's not a period mm-hmm. piece, and uh, that didn't get in at all. But yeah, Emma's Emma's to lose. I think they they uh, do win this probably. Otherwise, I guess Marini's Black Bottom most likely. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move on to production design. Um, we got The Father, My Rainy's Black Bottom again, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. And I gotta say, uh, this is this is The Father all the way. I don't think it's gonna win, um, but <laughs> it definitely has the best production design. Just because Mank is a period piece, uh, and it's so set in Hollywood, I think it's just an easy sweep for Mank, and it's probably the only award out of the 10 that it can even take home. I don't think mm-hmm. Mank wins in any other category. But yeah. yeah, The Father, dude, best production design of the year, by far. Uh, yeah. All right. And we move on to the score, right? Yes. Yeah. For score, we have The Five Bloods, we have Mank, we have Minori, we have News of the World, and we have The Beautiful Soul. Yes. What What is your prediction here? What will win the award? This is a hard one because uh, like, I know they have good songs. I, you know, I'm always kind of rooting for Minori, but yeah, I don't know if it's going to win. Probably going to be like Mank or or news of the world. I'm pretty sure sure it's soul. You think it's going to be soul? Yeah. Uh because it is like it is uh Trent Rasner if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um blanking on his name. He is a jazz musician and they tracked his his uh his actual like movements of his fingers for the animation of Joe. It's it's incredible. Hold on. I did not know that and now that you said that I hope it wins. <laughs> oh yeah, J- John Batiste. Batiste mm-hmm. was it? Um, the the jazz musician who's who's in there who got that yeah um I would probably go with Soul I'm really glad that the Five Bloods at least got one nomination in here um and my favorite score of the year was Minari uh, nice. but yeah uh Tenet and Cotillionaire also had great scores Cotillionaire from the same composer as Minari uh, mm-hmm. so yeah um go check them out then moving on to a song <laughs> so <laughs> Kelly we got a bunch of nominations in here that uh, the one that's actually kind of surprising and that I didn't ex- anticipate was one from uh, the Eurovision Song Contest movie called uh, Husavik, I'd say, yeah. probably. The butchered that pronunciation. So I have a question for you, Kelly. Uh, you want to so read the if, others first? No, 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 no. This is way more important. Okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> Kelly, if out of the other ones that we don't even need to name right now, if this one wins... Are you going to sing us Yaya Ding Dong? No. Oh, that is really disappointing. I guess I'll do it. <laughs> yes, you're going to uh, do you it. You can say that confidently because the other nominations are Fight for You're you from do- Judas and the Black you know Messiah. What? We're going to do what? A, a duo. A duo? Duet. A duet. Of, yes. Of Yaya Ding Dong on the Patreon. Yes, uh, but only win. if it wins. If it doesn't, if it wins. But I'm pretty confident that, that it doesn't because we got uh, Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. Hear mm-hmm. my voice from the trial of the Chicago Seven. I see, um, which translate to scene from the live ahead, and speak now from one of them Miami. And I gotta say, I have a bias here. I think "Speak mm-hmm. Now" is a phenomenal song. I'm listening yes. to it from uh, like every now and then. I really mm-hmm. hope that it wins. And, it's an um, amazing song. I yeah. agree. Really is, yeah. yeah. All right, moving on to best visual effects. We got "Love and Monsters," "The Midnight Sky," "Mulan," "The One and Only Ivan," and "Tenet." Snapped here of course was sonic where is sonic. sonic sonic deserves to be in here man but uh yeah i apart from mulan i don't think you've seen any of these right i haven't even seen mulan but oh 
<laughs> well, okay. Well, let's just grip it and rip it. I'll pick. Uh, what do I go for? Love and Monsters Tenet. had decent visual effects. Tenet. Uh, moving on to screenplay. All right, we got original <laughs> screenplay. Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I don't care about the rest. I want it to be either Minari or Promising Young Woman. Preferring Promising Young Woman. Yes. Yes. Uh, I want anything but Trial of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> I don't care what it is. It's just not that movie. Uh, Mank uh, didn't get in here, which is a bit Good. surprising. Uh, which I guess wasn't written by... Um, well, it was written by uh, Fincher's dad. So... Um, I guess there's that no nomination for someone who passed away 13 years ago or so. And I would have loved to see Never Ready, Sometimes Always in here as as, as always in every category mm. that it could be nominated for. If I had to predict, I'd probably say it probably is Trial of the Chicago 7 and okay. mm, Minari out of those I'd go. Yeah, mm. uh, let's move on to Adapted Screenplay. Adapted Screenplay. We have for the subsequent movie film, we have The Father. Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and we have The White Tiger. Yeah, The White Tiger is a bit of a surprise in here. I mean, Chompra was really excited to read that one out because she <laughs> stars in that movie as well. Oh. And uh, it's interesting that Borat is considered an adapted screenplay just because mm-hmm. it's based on like an Ali G character. And apparently every sequel, sequel is considered an adapted screenplay. Crazy. A little fun fact there. But yeah, My Rainy's Black Bottom didn't get a nomination here. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. the White Tiger kind of took its spot. We also didn't get First Cow or I'm thinking of ending things in here. I'm kind of surprised that Borat's in here that it even got nominated. But I mean, I'm not complaining. Yeah, it's it's fun that they have uh, at least a little bit of comedy representation. I mean, if mm-hmm. I had to choose two comedies, Palm Springs or Borat, I would probably go with, Bor- uh, with, with Palm Springs. But mm-hmm. uh, it's still a great representation here. And um, prediction, I... I'm saying Nomadland, uh, best screenplay of the year, Pfft. tie between One Night in Miami and The Father, to be honest. Both really yeah. great screenplays. All right, let's move on to one of the big, uh, the, the big categories, the directing category. And this year, we got two women directors nominated for, I believe, the first time ever. And yes. Kelly, can you guess how many women directors have been nominated in the history of the Academy Awards? Probably like five total. You are so, so close. Yeah, total it's six now with uh, <laughs> with both Chloe Zhao for Nomadland and uh, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, which is just, what is going on? It's <laughs> such an underrepresentation. It, it is crazy. I mean, last year alone, we should have gotten uh, one for A Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but I guess that didn't campaign for mm-hmm. the Oscars and then also uh, for Little Women. For Greta Gerwig. Yes. But anyways, let's move on. Let's get back to this year's Oscars. We also got Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. We got David Fincher for Mank. And Thomas Winterberg for Another Round. Yeah, so the notable person missing here is Aaron Sorkin. You know, mm-hmm. that a lot of people expected to be in here. I'm really happy that he like he doesn't get in here. We also are not getting Regina King for One of the Miami. But it, it's fine because I think Thomas Winterberg is, is a great director. Definitely deserves this nomination. You know what? I just want I just want either of the girls to win and I'll be happy. Yeah, and Chloe Zhao has been sweeping so far. I think she picked mm-hmm. up pretty much every award that she can. And uh, I'm pretty sure that she'll also uh, win this one, which would nice. be really nice. And I think she would also be the first Chinese director, Chinese-American director to ever win um, a directing Oscar. 
Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the best international features, which is funnily enough, uh, funnily, fun in, I can't say that, which funnily? is uh, surprisingly enough <laughs> the only blind spot that I have out of the five nominations. I have only seen one, which is another round from Denmark. Uh, we also got Better Days from Hong Kong, Collective from Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin from Tunisia, and Guadas Aida from Bosnia. What was uh, that Bosnia pronunciation? I don't, I don't, what, what are you, what are you saying, Kelly? Like, how would I know how to speak Kovadis. Bosnian? Kova- it's well, not Bosnian. Okay. It's not, wait, what is it then? Kovadis, that's from like Latin. Isn't that like, how are you doing or something? How are you going? Oh, oh that Kovadis. does make a lot of sense. Kovadis yeah. means where are you um, marching? Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't know Latin, everybody. Even though I'm a history student. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, anyways, there's a, there's a few films that I haven't seen. I probably say because Another Round has a directing nomination that it's just Another Round. But go check out these international features. Uh, there, there are a few others that you can check out. Just check out the whole shortlist of international features. I think they're all worth checking out. And um, yeah, let's move on to animated feature, which yes. consists of Onward, Over the Moon, Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Yeah, yeah. so what's your pick? What do you think? Soul? <laughs> yes. Yes, obviously. Obviously? Yeah. Uh, my prediction going... is also Soul. I would you... pick Wolfwalkers if I could. Uh, mm-hmm. I give the slight edge over Wolfwalkers. But yeah, definitely Souls to lose. Uh, oh yeah, that's the one you you said that was your favorite animation. Didn't you say that sometime? Yeah, or I think last I said year? that this year. Yeah. Or last year. Mm-hmm. Or last year, yeah. And then finally, well, the last two categories, we got uh, Documentary. In the documentary categories, there were quite a few surprises, I gotta say. We got Collective, that is uh, the previously mentioned Romanian film. We got Crip Camp, that's uh, the, again, the Obamas are back, are back with another documentary after they won, was it last year, with American Factory? They're back with another, yet another film called Crip Camp. And Mole Agent, which is another international um, film from Chile. And My Octopus Teacher. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, time. Uh, so there were quite a few surprises in here that didn't get nominated. Most notably to me, I think Welcome to Chechnya would have been a great addition to this uh, uh, as, an, as a nominee. Um, as well as Boy State and Dick Johnson is dead. I'm quite surprised that something like My Octopus Teacher managed to get in. Even though that movie, have you seen My Octopus Teacher? Nope, I have not. Uh, Lachlan and I have seen it and it's just this... this uh, yeah, this um, relationship between an octopus and a human. And it's it's really beautiful. It's really stunning um, the way that it's told. It's, I'm happy that it got a nomination here. But um, yeah, definitely surprising. All right. So let's move on to the big and final category. We're going to have like a yeah, drum roll. roll, please. <laughs> That's on. Right. Shit. Okay. Kelly, do you want to read all oh. of our nominees? For Best Picture, we have The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, we have Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and finally, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, if you count those up, we uh, arrive at eight nominations in total. And um, yeah, I think this year is the last year where we get less than 10 nominations. I oh. think from, this, uh, from next year on or the, the year after, we always have 10 nominations um, and it doesn't depend on the vote. 
of how many, like how the votes are split. But yeah, uh, which unfortunately means that, well, One Night in Miami and My Rainy's Black Bottom both didn't uh, get in and uh, yeah, didn't get a Best Picture nomination. Uh, on the other hand, I guess this is a good sign for The Father, Judas and Sound of Metal, who were kind mm -hmm. of the underdogs out of um, this selection to rack up a nomination. So that's surprising. I think overall, this selection is really good. I think Trial is the weakest out of all of these, but I would recommend um, all of these movies to every to, to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're all really great. And you can't really say that 2020 has been a bad year for movies if you have, at the end of the year, um, this kind of lineup for Best Picture. I think it's it's pretty strong. What do you think about the nominations? Um, considering I haven't seen most of them yet. <laughs> they're all great. Yet. They're all great, all beautiful, great movies. But at the end of the day, I'll always be rooting for Promising Young Woman. Mm -hmm. Just because... At Sparkles, women. <laughs> well, you're not even on screen. This is an audio podcast. How do you want me to add like audible sparkles? In you here, can Kelly? add like um, like a sound effect of like stars falling. <laughs> stars falling don't make sounds. What do you mean? I'll send you like a uh, YouTube link. I, I'll, like, I'll put something in there just for you, Kelly. Uh, like magical. Yeah. If I had to pick women. one. um. <laughs> If I had to pick one uh, as my favorite, I would definitely go with The Father over um, all of these. And if I had to predict what's going to win, I think it's a toss-up between Nomadland, uh, maybe even Trial, maybe even Promising Young Woman. Might even mm. be a surprise and Minari sneaks in there. I think it's a pretty safe bet if you go with Nomadland, and that's mm -hmm. what I'd stick with. And I mean, it's crazy. Chloe Zhao is the editor the writer, the director, and producer for Nomadland. So she has the potential to take home four statues this year, which is crazy. That is crazy, right? That's even more than Bong Joon-ho took home. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he got, what did he get? Directing, feature, and foreign. Um, yep. So yeah, definitely really surprising there. All right. So yeah, if you want to um, join our community over on Discord, here's another incentive. We are running a bit of a prediction game over there. And the winner of that uh, prediction game after the Oscars will get uh, one year of Letterboxd Pro for a year for free. So uh, definitely um, join us in that. That will be um, a fun little activity there. <laughs> Yeah. Now, as we mentioned before, we are talking about the film raffle that we did this month for March over on our Discord server, which had the theme of best picture winner. So all the movies had to be, well, the winners of a best picture nomination at the Academy Awards. Uh, I personally uh, got West Side Story from 1961. Kelly recommended that movie to me, and I'll just give you a quick review. And then later on, we'll have one of our Discord members join us uh, to review the movie that he got. Right, so I got West Side Story, the 1961 classic, the musical classic that got nominated for countless awards in addition to winning best picture it also got best supporting actor and actress best director best cinematography best art direction best costume design best sound best film editing and best, and best film music the only thing it didn't win was the screenplay uh but yeah <laughs> definitely a big oscar film overall and i'm 
sure you all know the story. It's about two gangs, the Jets and the Sharks, who are fighting over um, their neighborhood streets. And tensions soon escalate in, well, I'd say a bit of a clumsy fashion and in a world that doesn't feel really lived in overall, but that is fine. If you are okay with the setting of a musical, then uh, you might be a bit more forgiving to certain aspects of the movie, like uh, it being really performance heavy in that sense that a lot of stuff is overacted, a lot of moments are very melodramatic and over the top, and this is a really fun movie if you enjoy the live theater version um, of West Side Story, which I've actually seen a couple of years ago and I, I really enjoyed. It, it was a lot of fun, but compared to a lot of other musicals, to me it doesn't stack up with the songs. And the story overall is so reminiscent of Romeo and Juliet that, well, I guess it's modern day Romeo and Juliet, which we'll see when Spielberg adapts this uh, this year, the movie that was supposed to come out last year. Hopefully we'll get it this year. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think the strongest aspects of the movie are definitely the production design and the visual presentation, the choreography and the dancing sequences. And the acting is, to me, uh, where it gets a bit rough and overall also the script, uh, the, the screenplay. Uh, leaves a bit more to be desired, but it is fine for what it's trying to do with a musical. But yeah, that's it. I really enjoyed my time with West Side Story. I would recommend it to anyone who enjoys these uh, cinematic adaptations of musicals. But now let's move on to our interview with Ruben. Yeah, anyways. All right, Ruben, uh, thank you for coming on and uh, sharing your pick with us. So My pleasure. So I believe you have so far attended and, and participated in all of our film raffles, right? I have, 100% record. He, he's an OG, of course. And um, well, I was wondering, what did you get this time for uh, the best picture winner raffle? Well, I got American Beauty given to me by Matt, who's also featured on here. Ah, yes, Matt. Uh, well, maybe I'll read a review of his for the movie that he got. I think he got All Quiet on the Western Front, um, which is something I've read because it's based on a novel, right? I, I've read that book, but I never watched the movie so far. He just said it was kind of funny that um, Americans were playing Germans and <laughs> they put on German accents. I believe it's pretty funny. Yeah, so what did you think of American Beauty? Well, I really enjoyed it, but I think I've got to say, before you say anything else about this film, that watching it in 2021 probably doesn't do it justice, considering Kevin Spacey is the lead actor in it. Has ruined everything, basically, right? It's, yeah, it's hard to separate his personal life from the film. There's a lot of parallels that happen in the film that he mm. has done in his life. Yeah, which is so weird. I think with him, there's probably a lot of people surrounding him in his professional circle that kind of knew what he was doing so it's weird that he gets jobs like that. not that like someone like sam mendes knows what's going on in his personal life but no it is very strange yeah right there's even a scene where he like fake accuses someone of sexual assault as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just crazy how it all happened like that yeah uh but no it, it is a shame that he has kind of tainted um some of the movies and the enjoyment of it but uh yeah, you got to be able to, I guess, in some way separate uh, the artist from the art. But then still, like, if parallels are so close, then it, it becomes definitely harder to do. It is unfortunate, yeah. I, I would still 100% recommend it 
you've just got to kind of try and separate him from the film. It always lingers in your mind, but if you can separate it, you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. But no, it is, it is a very good film. So what was an, an aspect that uh, you really enjoyed about it? So I loved all the backstories to the different characters. It's not just focused on one person. It's focused on tons of different individuals. They've all kind of got a bit of a shambles life going on. Mm-hmm. The main guy, he's stuck in a kind of suburban, normal American life. He's bored. He hates his wife. They don't talk anymore. Yeah. His daughter also hates her parents. The next door neighbor hates their father. They've all got something going on. The film focuses on them kind of coming together. And they all have these really interesting character arcs as it progresses. And they all interact with each other. And it's just great to watch it all unfold. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I, I actually can't think of another movie that um, in the lead character kind of tackles a midlife crisis and kind of the, I'd say, slight light uh, touch on existentialism. Because as soon as I think of existentialism, I go Charlie Kaufman's Synoctiki, New York, and it's definitely not on that level. But yeah, it has that suburban outlook that I don't think I've seen a done just done better in any other film that I've watched before. So it really nails its uh, kind of main topic. Yeah, I think American Beauty is kind of a play on the American dream. Mm. It seems like they're in a perfect life, Mm -hmm. living in the suburbs, but deep down, everyone's not enjoying themselves. They hate themselves. Oh yeah, that for sure. Yeah, how how does it rank amongst um, other Best Picture winners? How many have you seen uh, overall? I've seen... 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. I'll just bring up my list all of them. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of all forced to uh, quickly do uh, a list for the best picture winners that we've seen in order uh, for people to, I guess, recommend a movie to us. Yeah, so the last film I actually spoke about on here was The Apartment, and I still say that's probably the best one I've seen out of the best picture winners, but this one's high up there. I'd rank it above Titanic and Forrest Gump, probably. Oh yeah, for sure. I haven't seen The Apartment still, but I'm I'm really uh, keen to watch that. Is The Apartment a comedy? It is. It is well, a comedy. That is perfect. I mean, maybe. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying anything. Like I won't rig this. But uh, if you get me um, next month for April when we are doing our next raffle, which will be April, is for comedies. <laughs> then I I wouldn't mind if um, The Apartment snuck its way in there. <laughs> we'll see. But, but no, um, American Beauty, I, I actually found really funny. I don't know if it what genre is actually classed as, but it wasn't too much of a romance. Yeah. It was more of a comedy for me. I don't know if I was supposed to find it funny, but I did find it funny. Yeah, it's definitely like a dark comedy, I'd say, maybe. And uh, I, I'd say it's just a drama because dramas can have both comedic and... I, I guess I get that outlook because it... I don't know if it's always intentionally funny, but it... It it puts you in a spot where you're looking at these characters and how ridiculous they behave, kind of without giving you a fixed uh, perspective. So you are free to kind of judge them and see them uh, as they are, which is something that I really appreciate, uh, especially in most of Sam Mendes' directing. And it even got him the Oscar here. So that this movie, this movie got overall, I think, five Oscars uh, next to the Best Picture and Best Director. <laughs> I think Kevin Spacey won for his lead role. And uh, then it also won Best Screenplay and Best Cinematography, which is another thing that the movie does really well, I think, right? Uh, all the uh, uses of the camera. Oh, that was great, yeah. Yeah, you get a little camcorder shot thing to cut with like the normal filming of it. We get narration as well. There's all sorts in this film. 
Yeah. There's even a shot of a paper bag just floating around in the wind that goes on for like five minutes. <laughs> True. That sequence. But it's good. It works. Yeah, that, that sequence is is uh, pretty beautiful, but it also has been memed to death, even and I think in some parodies as well, which is I I think it's kind of funny. That's why there's so many layers to I think to this movie. I think. Oh yeah, it's definitely you can definitely call it pretentious, but it it does work. Yeah, that's I mean, and at the end of the day, movie works. Uh, great stuff. A great recommendation. That I mean, there's definitely some worst picks that you could pick uh, for best picture winners. But yeah, thank you so much, Ruben, for coming on. Looking forward to having you back maybe next month uh, when we talk about comedies. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. That brings us to the end of today's show. Next week, we are talking Snyder Cut Justice League with Lachlan. Until then, you can join our public Discord for raffles, for film club, and much more. You can also join our Patreon for two bucks a month. You become a first AD. Patreon roles also give you some exclusive access on our Discord. Additionally, you get the Drumcast, which is a very hectic bonus show that we do every month. You also get show notes for our episodes before they premiere, and you also get episodes early, and you get to vote for upcoming Roll That Agains and Deep Dives. A lot of content over on Patreon to just sum it up real quick. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's set underscore quiet, on Instagram, quiet on set podcast, and on Letterboxd, quiet on set. Uh, you can follow all of our personal socials linked below in the show notes. You can find me pretty much everywhere uh, under you and Gruff. Um, and yeah, you can also find Kelly. Link below yeah. everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I just want just follow everywhere. my letterbox. <laughs> Alright, that's a wrap. See you everyone. Bye. Goodbye. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's Twitter on uh, that's you can also <laughs> follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Shit.